Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Welcome back to the final, well, it's not really the final episode of You Love to See It for 2021 since we're already past 2021, but it is our wrap up 2021 top 10 video that we now have done for three years in a row. I think I believe this is the third episode in a row or third time doing this type of episode. Um, We're back with a special guest this year again not both special guests but a returning special guest uh sam i mean you can introduce yourself again but uh anyone who's seen last year's top 10 episode where our number what was our number one last year does anyone remember no don't say it (laughs) (laughs) no caleb you should have told me that we let eric have his way two years in a row we <laughs> Zach, all right. Well, back to the important matter. Uh, we, yeah, we are joined by Sam. Uh, Sam oh, you just, Sam. Spoiled, you just spoiled our number one. No one knows what it is yet. I heard nothing. Um, but yeah, all of your loyal listeners have been adding me on Twitter, just begging for my return. So, oh, really? That's actually all just me. That's been that's been yeah. me creating the same twenty accounts. Um. If you don't know, I'm very active on Twitter, so I, uh, I've been creating a bunch just to get you to come back on. I've definitely been noticing I've been getting a lot more bot requests lately. Bot requests on what, Twitter? Yeah, like, I've gotten, I've been getting, yeah. like, so many random, like, fake requests on, like, Snap and Instagram lately. Yeah, well, hence part of the reason I am, de- I've been deleting my social media, no longer have Instagram, um, deleted, kind of deleted Snapchat. I'll never delete Twitter because that's where I have to. Wait, Zach, you deleted Snapchat because two days ago I got a notification. That I you just added. I, ju- I so I create. Listen, 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 listen. I create a new one for just friends because I didn't want to deal with all the. I didn't want to deal mostly to anyone listening from high school. I don't want to deal with you. Like I just want to move forward. So I have a new friends one. Caleb hasn't even accepted my request yet on that because I don't think he even uses Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah. Caleb is more disconnected from social media than I, and for that, uh, we need your expertise to get I this out and about. Well, we can do that without instant. We, 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 there's other sources. There's other sources. Yeah, we're a bunch of hermits. High key. Well, we uh, we're doing our top ten, and we have I think a pretty great list. I think this is a very good top ten movie list, and for the first time. I've seen a good amount, amount of these movies, not all, 80%. I've seen 80% of the movies on this list uh, as I did not get to watch two of them. How'd you, uh, but, yeah, how'd you calculate that? What do you mean? Pretty quick calculation you just did there. Well, because I looked at the list on the right and I see two movies. <laughs> one I didn't get to see because it's only in theaters right now. And the other one I was supposed to watch and I didn't. Uh, but I watched something similer which turned oh. out to be our number one because, you know, the 
Oh, the meta. Okay, you know what we need to, we need to stop. Maybe yeah. stop. Okay, spoiling. Okay. We'll stop. We'll stop doing the spoiling. Well, let's start off with some uh, honorable mentions for 2021. These are movies that might be in some of our top tens personally, um, but either way, just movies that did not make our arbitrary top ten list that we made as a group. Um, I know Eric probably has like 40, you know, since he's seen. <laughs> I just have to mention that I saw the other day before we get into honorable mentions, I saw the other day that Eric saw more movies in 2021, just in general, You've than your- days, almost than days in 2021. Like he saw on average, of, you saw like what, 380 movies in 2021 or something like that. My number went down this year. Yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. That's a, that's a- I, I didn't realize his number oh. was ever that high in the first place. That's, that's I, think more... I, hit, I think I hit 500 in 2020. That's crazy. That's crazy. I got hey, 405 this year. I have to say, I'm I'm on I'm on pace to try to meet uh to meet that by so far in 2022. I'm uh one for one movies days. So if you watch 365 <laughs> movies, yeah, I will. $65. You'll give me that 20 bucks back that you're about to get. Yeah. You just need to start watching so many shorts. Oh, yeah, that's how you get through it. That's how you do it. No, no, I don't I don't watch too many. Is that how you do it, Eric? Should we call into oh, the variety? Look at my logs, Caleb. Look at my logs. Go through my logs. I, 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 I hear you having a pitch pong short way in your top 10 this year. Is that true? He does. Short he does. Film? number three. Oh. That was Not satisfying, three. crisp. All right, let's get to some honorable mentions. Uh, Eric, why don't you kick us off since one of your top, top movies did not make the top 10 list, mainly because I didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, so I couldn't help boost it. Days. But, uh, Everyone needs to watch Days. Um, it's the new movie by Simon Yang, who is famously, I think famously, I've definitely talked about him on the podcast, have I? I'm famously sure pretty much my favorite director right next to Kelly and the Pitch of Pong. And um, yeah, Sives made a bunch of movies all pretty much about loneliness, ennui, like a lot of them also dovetailing with his own conflicted queerness. Um, and this movie is sort of a progression on that. Uh, the first portion of it follows Lee Kang Shang, who is sort of Sai's muse. And is in is pretty much playing the same character and is the main character of every single one of size movies, and it follows him and this Laotian immigrant, basically going about their days almost John Dielman style. We watch the Laotian immigrant like he's like cooking rice for a good portion of it, um, and uh, Lee Kang Shang is pretty much we see him dealing with this back injury that he's been dealing with IRL since the river. And we see him get this pretty gnarly treatment where it's like acupuncture or something. Caleb, you, is that how, like, it's like acupuncture on the back of his neck. And they're like setting the acupuncture needles on fire, but it's like- Oh, uh, not- I think I, I've seen something like that before. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty gnarly. And I mean, the, the the capstone of it is the second half of the movie, which is culminated by where this culminated in a twenty to thirty minute massage sex scene. 
which is I best scene of the year. It's about the two people actually meeting. You find out that this Laotian immigrant is sort of a sex worker and they have this massage. It's like sensual without being graphic at all or objectifying. It's so caring. It's so, I mean, we watched, Caleb and I watched this in the theater and I was like shaking, buzzing 30 minutes. And oh my God, it's so moving just because you're getting the sense that like all of this pain that Lee King Sheng's been going through is getting relieved. You're seeing what's almost a culminating sex scene of Sai's entire filmography, like Sai's movies, sex, especially gay sex. There's some straight sex that happens in stuff like The Hole, which is sort of happy, but gay sex, like especially in something like The River, in which gay sex happens in like dark bathhouses. And the time we see it on screen at the end of the movie is more horrifying and terrifying than, than anything else. I mean, there's also the wayward cloud, which is its own, you know, that's watermelons, violence, porn. That's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. But this, it's straight up just like relief catharsis and the intimacy, and it's so good, and it's so moving to see after like watching this guy be in just like pain and ennui for like ten movies at this point. It's great. It's on movie, so it's free, so everyone needs to go see it. Did you say? I, I don't know if I misheard you. Did you say that the massage sex scene was like twenty minutes long? A longer. Like it's 30 minutes? probably like 20, 30 minutes long. Is it just literally like just one, like just, it's literally one scene. Here's how, how to describe, you know, Eric said it's not. <laughs> and in some sense, that's entirely true. But in another sense, it's extremely graphic. At once, it's just this, I don't know, just this, this creation that, that breathes and consumes you in a way that leaves you feeling entirely clean yet still violated in a way that you kind and of and it's not voyeuristic at all okay Interesting. you feel like Perfect. you feel like you are there i don't know if i've ever experienced something that like you're saying a film i don't know if i've ever watched a film that has it was it was legitimately mind-blowing you felt violated you didn't feel like you were violating by watching uh, no, I, I was not doing the violating. I was, I was <laughs> pleasantly violated. So we're not here to review days, but Caleb, you're the only other one here who's seen it. Right. How do you feel about days? What do you? Well, obviously scene of the year. Uh, I can't tell if there's sarcasm in that or not. Oh, certainly not. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's it, it's the it's slow cinema, which isn't always my uh, my calling card. Um, but that was certainly a highlight. The movie has zero dialogue. That is also a thing. It's there's no subtitles. Oh, what? There's what do you mean? There's no dialogue. As in, there's literally not, no speaking whatsoever. Like there's literally zero words. What the entire mean? film. 
What do you need words for? The Are first like shot of the film is like, do not be alarmed. This movie is intentionally unsubtitled. So is there there's music? Ambiance? No. Oh, there's is um, it wait, there's ambiance. So, there's no music. Not you not better a, believe there's, there's no music. There's no music, no dialogue, just ambient sound. Ambient sound. Sorry. Well, because there's people are alone. If they were talking, they'd be talking to themselves. So there's just like sounds of things moving or like the massage scene, like, but there's no there's no words, no music whatsoever. There's like a couple words. You're telling but me the massage scene didn't have like yeah, there was no like sexy well, music yeah, playing. Like, yeah, what are you talking about? What were you why what so what makes this I, I'm not trying to offend you, Eric, but why is this this sounds boring to me? Like, why is it not boring? I like, mean, it's, this, it's mesmerizing. <laughs> and it's and it's yeah. so, I mean, the compositions are beautiful. So it's beautiful to look at. Okay. And a lot of it is just depicting, like, the hypnotic rhythm of them doing their work. Okay. And, like, the almost, like, desperation to their repetition. A lot of it is also them just, like... Is there a plot? ...through constant pain. The plot is that they're in pain and they're lonely and then they meet they have this massage that relieves them temporarily of their loneliness through what's pretty much him like them paying each other for a service and then they sort of leave and have this sentimental moment and go back to being really lonely that's kind of depressing too but it's also it's it's not necessarily depressing. Can I ask you, have you seen this movie more than once? I've seen it twice, yeah. Okay. Damn. Was it better the second time? Worse? Same? It was pretty much the same. I mean, I thought it would get a lot worse not being in, not seeing it in the theater. But no, definitely, it definitely seems like a theater movie. Although it also seems very intimate, which doesn't seem like a theater movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All movies are theater movies. I mean, you're not wrong on that. All except, I don't know. There was a, there was a movie that Eric happened to turn on while we were in Orcus that I don't know if I would want to see with anyone else around. That was the Wayward Cloud, which is also the same director. <laughs> oh my God! Is it, dude? Yeah. Everything makes sense now. <laughs> my, well, it's the so, same guy. It's the same. I didn't know that. Okay. Your watermelons in this one. What I'm what I'm hearing is Caleb needs to go back and watch. It's sort of a through Cloud. line, like it's all it's not the same world but it's the same ideas and it's the same progression of ideas for this same character that's in all the movies interesting i mean i i'm intrigued it definitely sounds you it it sounds very different than anything i've ever heard before i don't think it's a bad it's not a bad thing (laughs) i just i mean you also need to build up i would say for this you should build up you should not go into this movie Having only, this would not be your first one. Oh, okay. You're saying see some of the other directors' works first. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Sorry. Okay. I we were supposed to just shout out movies, but no, I, no, no, no. We're no, we're going movie. through. We got time. I, this is I've been thinking about talking about the special episode. So long, and I this is a special to talk episode. You talk, if you this doesn't long. top five freaking hours. I am. Yeah, we're we might be exactly. here all night. I thought we were ready for a slumber party. Um. Well, let's let's t- let's throw out some more. Um, let's throw out some more <clears throat> movies. Uh, I I will throw one out that is on my top ten that we did not do a podcast episode on, um, but I feel like I need to mention, and that is the uh, the the new Matrix movie. 
Um, Sam, have you seen it? I don't want to spoil anything for you. Uh, I got halfway through, and then it was like, 2 oh no, I was like, I'm gonna finish it later, and then yeah, stuff happened. Oh, no. I really enjoyed the first half, though. Okay, okay. Half. I was gonna say the, this movie is really interesting to talk about, especially because it has, I feel like, the most divisive opinions I've seen in such a long time, especially from for a franchise that's really loved. I mean, there's just so much shit. Like, I mean, there's the whole thing with like people love the movie or people hate the movie because it's not like the original trilogy and also people that are just you know disgusting people hating on the the Wachowski sisters and just a bunch of stuff but the Matrix Resurrections was actually I think my sixth maybe eighth it was my eighth highest rated movie of the year and it was uh if has everyone here seen it I've seen it okay Uh Caleb Maybe. You, Maybe. you've seen part of it Caleb or no I won't spoil anything but I mean it's 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 I don't know if you plan on watching it but uh it's it's really good because I feel like it was very unique and it's very like meta in the sense of especially in the first half it's kind of like essentially that the movie was going to be made anyways and this whole it really like tries to grapple with this idea of like a remake slash unnecessary sequel and like the beginning the first half of the movie is incredibly funny and incredibly meta and name drop warner bros yeah they do like straight like straight up call them out i mean it's like one of those movies that is i think disappointed to people who love the action part of the matrix because it does have the worst action scenes of the movie of the trilogy of you know there's a lot before. of talking about action yeah there's not the a lot of the action and the action that is there is not great when you look at the original matrix trilogy the action scenes in there are phenomenal i mean it's some of my favorite i don't not particular to action scenes i like the john wick movies and i really love the original matrix tr- trilogy for their action scenes and how creative they are this movie is a lot more focused on the more idea and more of the love aspect that existed in the first three and more of the kind of meta and they really took the Alice in Wonderland like trope further and stuff like that but I thought I thought it was really good and I think I don't know I think it was one that I was like yeah you know what it's got a lot of like weird you know divisiveness because some people just were expecting something similar to the first and you know, it sits at a, a 3.0 on Letterboxd right now, but uh, it was definitely one of my favorite of the year. So, Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, I watched the whole Matrix trilogy right before. So did I. While I was snowed in. Um, and it, it, I, I think it was a good, a good movie to have been made, even though it didn't necessarily have to be. Mm-hmm. Just in the sense that, like, the first movie came out and it was like, as much as it was like a world building thing, which is what it you know ended up being in the whole trilogy, it was very much just a, a commentary on like you know society and all that stuff. But it was actually it had you know deeper themes and stuff. And then clearly you know sec- two and three were just oh shit, you're giving us 150 mil. Yeah, they were a lot movies, more actiony. Yeah, they're just like they're fun. They're a lot of fun, but they didn't like they made their movie in the Matrix. So two and three, they're just like whatever. We're gonna make what you want. And four really grapples with how after making a movie that's supposed to like challenge the status quo, they then took money and made the most status quo two movies they could possibly make. As much as they like 
were different and UCGI and were fun and stuff. They were definitely, it was, I like that the fourth one kind of wrapped it all together when the third, because the third one was just like one. The third action. one is a bad movie. I, it's just not great. Wait, but. okay. I wish the Matrix movies had an easier way for me to know which one was the second, third, and fourth, because I could not tell you whether Revolutions or Reload is the second or third. Reload's the reload second. Revo- you reload yeah. it. Yeah, and then Revolutions because it's the last one. It's a really weird. Okay, well, okay, then what the hell is Animatrix? Animatrix. Animatrix? Is, what the hell? I don't know what that is. I've is that never like heard a, of Is that like a TV? A TV? Well, is, there was a lot is that of. Not a was, thing. I feel like I've heard of that. The Animatrix, a two thousand three. It's a adult animated science fiction yeah, anthology I, film produced I by the Wachowski. I think it's an it might be an anime. They made a lot of spin-offs. Oh, oh, stuff. There it's was inspired. A video- it's fire. not canon. Come on, Aaron. Yeah. The video games are I, canon though, apparently. I'm not you know. Yeah. The Matrix is is queer landmark, but the Matrix got ruined for me when I had to watch it for a class. <laughs> and I had to watch it on Zoom screen share. And then my prof cut it off 20 minutes from the end and then proceeded to spoil the ending and throw us into Zoom breakout rooms to discuss. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unforgivable. That is that is unforgivable. But yeah, Caleb, you want to take the reins with a, with a special shout out honorable mention movie? Um, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> you have a guess? <laughs> I guess I, I I don't know. Eric seems quite. Yeah, I don't know what what he could mm-hmm. say that's that bad. Dissipatory here. Oh no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Well, I was gonna just briefly touch on the father, a, a forgotten movie that we will technically consider this year. Uh, obviously, it was a member uh, uh, at the Oscars last year, but has a nice 2021 U.S. release date. And uh, still clocks in, ranks fairly well among this year's releases. So don't you don't gotta forget about that. But since, since oh, Eric, don't forget about the father. Meta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but since Eric seems to be anticipating something horrible, perhaps I should just bring up in the heights, uh, which uh, was. Ooh. Checking my rankings real quick. Um, yes, the best musical to be released in 2021. I yield my time. Did oh you? My uh, gosh. Boom. He did. Uh-huh. We did. We did an episode. Tick, tick, boom. Oh yes, yes. I saw tick, tick, boom. I didn't, but Caleb has a weird love. Like I respect Caleb as a fellow actor, um, but uh, I don't know about the. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I like Andrew Garfield too. Andrew Garfield, <laughs> I, I get the love, to, you know? I'm a, I'm, I'm under the silver bit, lake though. I'm a little bit of a, of a um, in the Heights hater more than I probably should be. Um, I think I'll have to rewatch it because it, to me, I, it was definitely not my favorite musical of this year. Well, I get that's an understatement. What what can you tell me, Caleb? I'm I'm curious. What it like? Why did In the Heights compared to the three other large musicals that I can think of off the top of my head that came out this year? What what about In the Heights stuck with you the most? Uh, as in what 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 about it was better than? Yeah, like the- like why do you think it was like? I'm just I like you like those other movies. I mean, from as what is, I mean, I don't Annette, you're 
meh about, but um, I know you. But that is actually end up the second best one. Oh well, I thought Tick Tick Boom would be higher than. I guess we had this conversation about. Zach, you got my issues, list right in front of me. I know. I'm not even looking. I'm not even looking. What What about in the Heights though? Really made it the best musical of the year for you. Uh, that would be the music. Definitely <laughs> the best music of any of the music <laughs> in 2021. Definitely the best lyrics, for sure. Uh, and instrumentation that is very complementary to those lyrics. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, you been, the quantity uh, and quality of songs that I still listen to from that musical greatly exceeds even the rest of, of all the musicals from this year combined. Had you been previously introduced? Like, have you seen a theater show? Uh, I, I was familiar before. I, I saw a, a <coughs> recording of, an, of, of a theatrical performance, not Broadway. So it, it wasn't like I had this really romantic, formative experience uh, with my first viewing. Uh, but yeah, I, I, was, I was familiar. Sam, when we watched that, was that your first movie back to the theater, too? I Wait, know. No, All not. I know is I didn't mind it, and then I just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth thinking about it now just because of the rant I had to endure in the parking lot afterwards from Eric. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I, I, going around I, ruining I, movies. And I, I was having, like, a panic attack or something in the theater. I, no, not a panic attack. I was like hyperventilating in the theater, just like hating it. <laughs> I'm not as big of a hater as Eric is, although it is low it on was, my it was, rating list. It was, I mean, imagine me curled up into a ball having to watch Belfast and the Lemley alone. <laughs> it was, it, emotionally, it was much more violent. Oh, that's so disrespectful. My God. <laughs> I, I can't think of like a- Belfast? As somebody who also experienced Belfast alone in the Lemley, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't. You guys, you guys did experience Belfast. There's got to be a line. Huh? <laughs> saying there's there's got to be a line. I, I will have to. I think I owe In the Heights another shot. I think I do. I owe it another shot. As someone who loves musicals and always has, I, I definitely owe it another shot. But... Um, it just didn't didn't happen for me the first time around. Sam, honorable mention. All right, I have two actually. Uh, the first is Godzilla versus Kong. Um, the second is the Suicide Squad remake. Um, oh yeah, we get to talk two. about the Suicide Squad remake. Let's go. <laughs> those are both notable because those are both two movies that I got high for and fell asleep <laughs> through and did not finish. No, I fell asleep in both of those around fifteen minutes in. And then woke up and saw the credits. <laughs> As with well, another movie. I'm time talking about these two trash movies that, yeah, anyways. Uh, okay. Slightly controversial. Oh, those, those weren't your? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I thought maybe you were, you know, you wanted to bring up some of the, all right, well, screw those movies, I guess. Yeah, no, I was not a fan of either of those. Um, yeah, Godzilla was, you know, it was entertaining. Anyways. Um, Still a controversial take, though. Uh, my honorable mention is Dune. Um, <laughs> I am curious. Okay, first of all, does do I, any of you like this movie? I don't okay, dislike cool. it. I don't dislike it. <clears throat> my opinion on well, I it. Liked it. I liked Dune. I thought Dune was fun. Yeah, I liked okay. it. 
my opinion came down on it after. <laughs> have any of you read the book? I'm curious. Yes. Yes. You have. Yes. Oh, okay. Part of the reason because why I didn't I like it. Dune was almost revolutionary in terms of the book to film adaptation in the sense that meant a lot of its criticism was about how it just did not touch on like any of the themes of the book, which is fair. But I thought that he wasn't even like trying to make a film that replaced a book, which a lot of people have already hated on for a long time. I feel like the film almost, you had to read the book first. And this was literally just, hey, this would be really cool if we saw it in real life. Here's what it would look like. And it, I, I was very entertained. Um, because it, it is one of the, like, I think the prettiest films of the year. I think just that, that world fully realized was an insanely cool thing to witness, even if it didn't actually have any substance whatsoever. I, I think it was almost like an appendix to the book in a way that was super cool and that a lot of films haven't even dared to do. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was at your number, what, three, four? It was up there. Four. It was four. Yeah. yeah my you know my opinion on this i remember i came out feeling really high about it and then as it settled in and i had a discussion with someone else who had read the book and i kind of like became a little bit more like oh my god yeah this was missing and yeah this was missing and i was like yeah i i felt like it was a pretty movie and it looked amazing and that excited the child in me that loved sci-fi that loved this book but then it just, I felt other than that was pretty hollow. I just felt like a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the, like, it just, it, it, it was something that looked so pretty on the outside. And then when you really took it apart, I just didn't feel like there was a lot of meat in there. But See, I had the exact same journey, but the, the end slightly differed in that after I was like, damn, actually, that was a really hollow movie. I then thought, but I enjoyed it the entirety of the time I was watching it in the theater, right? Like, so maybe it didn't resonate with me afterwards, but what's what's a movie to do if it you know it entertained me for two and a half hours and then afterwards i was like okay that didn't leave like an imprint didn't change my mind about anything you know yeah but i, no, I mean, that's it. fair so that's a fair sometimes it's simple if the, if you enjoy the movie you enjoy the <clears> movie you know sometimes it's all it's got to be i know i know uh caleb and eric are not very huge fans um i, 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 I was waiting for this movie out of the three of us you really yeah that's because i yes. lowered mine are you that's kidding me I mine I love, yeah, that's oh, okay. I Dune is worth it just to see Rebecca Ferguson go like, get me my water and have people do it. Beautiful. Like, untie me. Powerful. <laughs> and that's almost the only impression I have of it. That's last. You know, you know what I heard? You know what I heard? A good comparison between, I don't know who said this. I think it was Eric. Shout out to Eric Sue for this. Oh. It was something about there are parts of Dune, there are two parts of Dune. One that feels like Star Wars and one that feels like something else that I can't remember. Eric, do you remember this? I think you said this. Oh, like Game of Thrones. Yeah, part of Game of Thrones, part Star Wars. The Game of Thrones stuff, great. The Star Wars stuff, not great. And that's how I, I think that resonated with me too. How can the Star Wars parts be not great? Well, it's not- It's not. It's not someone who thinks Star Wars is really boring. <laughs> It's not what what I interpret that. I think I interpreted different. It's not that it's too sci-fi or too like Star Wars. It's that Star Wars to me lacks a lot of depth and a lot of like meaningfulness to me. I just was never a big Star Wars kid, and so like I enjoyed the movies, 
but I felt like they were more focused on action and more focused on, I don't know, Game of Thrones, on the other hand, is something that's so you like feel everything is so purposeful, meticulous. So, I mean, I don't know, but I, I, I did feel like I was like, oh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I see what he's going for. I do think the movie was weighed down by our expectations of blockbusters at this point. I feel like we expect blockbusters to change our world to a certain degree. And I would, I would equate this more with like a, a Will Ferrell comedy. Weird comparison. But the point is that you go to a Will Ferrell comedy and you come out, no one's going to ask you like, yeah, what did you learn from that? Like, I don't know, man. I enjoyed it. Like, I, I'm not going to talk about it afterwards. I'm not going to, you know, think about it afterwards. But while I was watching it, I kind of laughed a couple of times and I, you know, no problems with it. I feel like it's just that, but with a lot more money in it and broody and moody. And shit, I was down to brood and mood for two and a half hours and watch some sand blast all over the place. It was, it was orange and fun. <laughs> I think for me, it's like after you've seen like 80 Will Ferrell movies, it's like the 81st one becomes 81 times less exciting. Yeah, and it's fair. like Dune. I also just like, do we need to adapt all these books? Maybe? I mean, it's great. It's amazing to see a, a, something like Dune on the screen because it's like, oh my God, you know, I've always wanted to see what it looked like, but I also, it's just, I hate how they had to end it in the middle. And it's just like, now we have to wait for a second. I just hate that whole thing. I, it's supposed to be like, two parts, three. A two, but then they might do, and now like, I, I don't know if you've seen all this, but now they're doing a, I don't want to spend too much more time on Dune. Um, no offense. No, <laughs> but like they're doing a whole like multi, like a, it's like a Marvel thing. Now they got a TV mm. show coming out. They have a graphic novel coming out. They have Dune Part 2 and then a potential Dune, you know, the next book movie. Like, it's just like. Okay, I retract my honorable mention. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, don't trash, re- trash company. They rejected don't. my HBO application <laughs> last summer, so. Don't, don't. Uh, Off with their heads. Don't get rid of the nomination. Um, should we, should we just get some out there in the open so then we can move into our top 10? Should we just, anyone want to name any? Bergman Island. Yes. Nobody. Nobody. The winner takes like a it while all. Ago. Um, Great movie. Also, seemed like a long time ago. Uh, is it Shiva or Shiva? I'll never know. Shiva baby. Sh- Shiva baby. Caleb. Shiva. Shiva. Why'd you ask Caleb? Because he's Jewish. <laughs> I feel no. I'm just doing that because you always do it to me, Eric. <laughs> Every time. Oh. Oh. Um, hey, why'd you ask? Why'd you ask Eric? I mean, why, <laughs> Kayla, Eric, Kayla. why'd you ask Eric, Kayla, Eric, Eric, Kayla. All right. Uh, other movies uh, to mention. Um, West Side Story. Thought it was a very, very good uh, Spielberg. I, was, I doubted it for a long time. But it was very good. And then the last one I'll say is one that Eric also recommended to me, which is uh, Undina. Uh, which Amazing movie. My number four. Is my well, to, if not including the Epitopong short, my number four. <laughs> um, what am I gonna say? Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy and Drive My Car, the two Hamaguchi. Drive My Car, that was a good experience, Eric. I remember watching that, yeah. Both were seeing, I mean, Drive My Car is like the critic darling this year, I feel yeah. like, yeah. Um, and then what else am I gonna say? Passing, and I'm just gonna end us with. Passing is great. I'm going to end us with Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I knew you were going to. Amazing movie. 
I still think about it. There's like an amazing like Dolly Parton bit at the end. Very funny. And Jamie Dornan looks so good in it. And he's like a himbo sort of spy agent guy in it. Caleb, Sam, any last last uh, shout outs you want to give? Uh, the last duel was not bad. I will agree with that. I was going to mention it because Eric, I turned to Eric at the end of that movie. I've said this on the podcast before. And he was like, he said something like, what did you say, Eric? I forgot what it was. I didn't like, write it down. Well, that slapped. Oh, you're Something like, like that, that slapped. And I was like, I thought he said that sucked. And I was like, oh, like, and he was like, no, that it slapped. I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. Caleb, any. I see Zach, you and Eric ignored my suggestions for your own honorable mentions. Um, my so, own honorable mentions. Yeah, I, I, I left some suggestions for you guys on on the <laughs> document but what, 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 what? Oh. <laughs> the, I, I even highlighted them in red there's only there's one two of the two of the best movies of the year um the wanting mayor and the dig i actually don't see it <laughs> it's on the drive How about uh no time to die uh a good there and the best james bond movie Okay. Wow. Let's go into <laughs> let's go into our top ten. All right. Let's hit it. Let's a fitting end to Craig. I'll, I'll put it at that. Let's get the ball rolling with our top ten. We got we got a lot of good movies to go through. So I will start us off with our number ten movie with which just slipped in. Uh, maybe should have been replaced with days, but uh, we'll let Eric argue Dave that one segment. Um. Yeah. Number 10 uh, on our 2021 films list is going to be Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Mike Mills. Um, this movie is essentially, uh, because we haven't talked about it before, I'll give a brief rundown, uh, about a documentary filmmaker whose project is basically interviewing children about kind of the future of the world and life and things like that. Um, and he gets a chance to bond with his nephew, who is what they say in the description is smart yet sensitive. Um, his nephew, who lives in a family uh, with a dad who suffers from bipolar disorder, and the mom is having to essentially help uh, the kid's dad. And so Joaquin Phoenix character uh johnny spends basically the entire movie with jesse uh played by woody norman and yeah it's uh it's in black and white and it's a very very good film it made my top three i think it's my number three of the year i could be wrong it is my number three of the year so yeah, it's uh it's a great film. Another Eric Zoo recommendation, although I I I've I've known it to be popular for a while now, but I finally got around to it. Um has everyone here Caleb and Eric, Sam, have you gotten it? Did you ever watch Come On Come On? You did. I okay. Did. Um yeah, what are your guys' thoughts about it? What do you what do you guys think? Is this do you think this is honorable of being in the top ten? Is it does it does it fit? The, the mold. All right, I'm going to contradict myself. 
talk about a movie I enjoyed while watching, but thought about zero times after I finished. I hmm. uh, I don't know. I I very much like. It was one of those movies where it seemed to hit on all the right notes. Like hmm. when I was watching it, I was like, "Yeah, these are things I think about. These are things I struggle with, grapple with in life." Like all good movies touch on those sorts of things. And then afterwards, I was like, "And question mark." Like I don't even know what the ending was. Do you remember? It's pretty pretty just normal. The the nephew goes back home. Uh, there's like a letter <clears throat> sent to uh, uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix's Johnny listens to the recording left by the nephew where he says the title. Right. Um, yeah, and it pretty much just ends, I think, there. Maybe I'm missing something. But yeah, it's not, not a super in-your-face, rememberable ending, um, but a movie that I feel like is more categorized by its experience rather than its totality of what it leaves you with but well, I, I i do see what you're saying i i think it's it's one of those movies where i struggled to, to like think a lot but I, it was also i think kind of like what you said about doing it was like wow like this just the experience of watching this was so great for me that it that hit me there did you see it in theaters I did not no i i didn't which would have made it probably i mean i i, I mean it was my number three it's not like it could have gone much yeah. higher but uh i didn't get a chance to no because of corona i decided to just uh watch it at home but it was it was still still a good experience would have been better in theaters as everything is um i know i know eric was high on this movie as well or pretty high and caleb was i think maybe more in your camp sam although i don't want to speak for him i would never do that um no eric uh, you're very muted just so you know you're like super muted. Yeah, Eric's been muted this whole time. <laughs> Gotta love it. Okay. Gotta love this movie. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Tough sell for me in the sense that I, there's nothing I hate more than a really obnoxious movie where hardened adult has to meet up with young, innocent child who through this young child's precocious hijinks, teaches the adult something about life. <laughs> like, literally just throw it away. I actually like hate it so much. So like, I was shocked at how, I don't know, I was shocked that I enjoyed this. Um, like, the, I was so nervous about the fact that he was like this documentary guy asking kids questions about how they feel about the future. And I, I totally saw a movie not to say that this movie wasn't actually this, but like a movie where he's like asking the questions to the kid and then the kid goes, no, you. Like, but what about you? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, I would have like hated that, but oh no, there was a lot here with like everything that had to do with like the mom, like the kid's parents adding a world to this, like, a lot of it about being like a sibling relationship, like about the relationship between like Joaquin Phoenix and the mother who is very, very good. I'm really blanking on the actress's name right now. Like um, I really enjoyed all of that. There was also so much nice- Gabby Hoffman. This. It was so like as annoying as this kid could be at times, I didn't find the movie as a whole to be annoying. I found it a very like 
calm movie. Like to counterpoint off of it, I recently watched Paper Moon, which I was unfortunately not as high on. And that one very much goes for like a screwball comedy type vibe, which I definitely connected to less. Um, I will say to your point, just real quick about the interviews. I liked that a lot of this movie where that quote learning from the innocence youth happened was when the kid kind of said no I don't want to do your interview thing this is dumb I want to like live life or whatever so I kind of like that it kind of turned itself on its head there period yeah I mean I thought I mean honestly what carried this a lot is Joaquin Phoenix giving arguably to me his best performance ever um I think he was made for this this movie and he plays this character very very well and i i didn't i don't know i didn't find the character i found the kid annoying but not i found him annoying in like a very reasonable sense when he was literally being annoying but i thought it was also a lot to grab like grapple with like the idea of having like you know like a child that is like potentially like on the spectrum or like you know not completely like like normal you know and there's even obviously of course the movie has a lot of the cheesiness of of that like what eric was saying of that genre but it also has i think some very interesting ideas especially with parenthood in terms of children it was really interesting because i watched this movie immediately after i watched uh the lost daughter which are just two movies that have very different but very interesting ideas of what parenthood is about and just sort of responsibilities of a parent. And I will say Lost Daughter is much more revolutionary in what it's depicting where, um, you know, I didn't mention Lost, we didn't mention it. So that is also honorable mention where Come On, Come On is a little bit more mainstream, you know, uh, by the end, you're like, you know, they're, you know, makes you want to have kids, not hate kids. Where Lost Daughter might be a little bit just different. Um, Yeah, I think Joaquin Phoenix is just great in this. I don't know, like, I I I wish about, uh, I wish he would get nominated for this, and I hope he does. But you do seem to be forgetting about his Academy Award-winning performance as Joker. I his apparently forget of all time. I, I guess yeah. so by the Academy uh, standards and by Caleb Brunman standards. Um, <laughs> not to. <laughs> I just caught on. Here kidding. I thought we weren't speaking for me. <laughs> Caleb, what did you? You have any last? Uh, I'm ideas? still, I'm still thinking about how you compared this to Dune, and I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Wait, I compared this to Dune. In what sense? You said like watching this was like watching Dune. You know, just see the the entertainment value. Um, oh, I, that wow! That I don't even think that. I mean, this movie has such nice rhythm. It does. It, I, it really does. I don't know why I said that. I don't. I've had a much better time watching this than Dune. No offense to Dune, but. Wow, a little. Uh, yeah, the the whole documentary <clears throat> aspect really didn't do it for me. That was a little, uh, you know, heads on. But yeah, I thought it was just it was just nice to to sit in the relationship for a bit. But I uh, I don't think I I left with any huge revelation or I don't know, impact. It was certainly not a challenging film in any way, shape, or form. Which you think every film needs one way in which it pushes well, a boundary. 
if we're going to talk about cha- if we're going to talk about challenging films it's the perfect time for Caleb Brumman to introduce oh. our our next film uh on the okay. list our consensus number one movie of the year <laughs> is Green Knight. Uh, but yeah, it's the Green Knight. In this Arthurian tale, uh, Sir Gawain. I don't even remember if that's a correct pronunciation. It's been so long. What it is. I- it's been a while. Yeah, I saw this in August, beginning of August. My goodness. Um, goes on an epic adventure. After he beheads the titular Green Knight, he must one year hence fight him or meet with him again in order to have his own head removed. It's just the kind of games that they would play back in the day. You wouldn't understand. But on the way, we encounter some of the most beautiful imagery of the year, some of the most haunting allegories. And yes, we learn a little more about what it means to be honorable. And I think it's a really poignant story about you know, a person trying to be more than a person, trying to grow into an idol, into a legend, a, a myth, really. Uh, and how that can be accomplished through through this idea of honor and and, you know what it means to do the right thing versus the thing that that we want to do especially when the thing we want to do is just survive Uh, so i think it it, it's a very just intelligent film but also one that, that takes you on on a wonderful journey so you can you can get your kicks in through, you know, just the raw entertainment of it all, or you can look as deep as you want. And I think that's always a great accomplishment in cinema. So that's why all four of us agreed that The Green Knight is our number one movie of 2021. Stop the count. Caleb, if I'm not mistaken, this is your number one, correct? Uh, you know, now that you mention it, it it, it might happen to be my number one. <laughs> the happen. only movie from this year that I uh, bequeathed four stars unto. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I didn't I didn't know that stat. That's interesting. Um, I actually have to take back an early statement. This movie is definitely the prettiest movie of the year. Um, but you unfortunately. This movie is definitely the prettiest movie. Of he said the what year. he said, Eric. It is. I, I, I think it is. In terms of just pure <laughs> visual, I think this movie, obviously, Eric, I like Annette more. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm so already, already are we circling back to that. Are we gonna are we gonna mention Annette later? I don't know if we will. Wait, I don't it didn't I, make okay. it. I don't think it did. Um yeah. this movie is beautiful, and there are I four remember movies on this list that it looked better being, than the Green Knights. That's just a lie. That's, um, that's a hot taker. This movie, I remember being so hyped for, and it's also a movie I feel like I need to revisit because it just, I think I was just so, so hyped that it didn't, it's not that it didn't meet my expectations. It just, I was expecting something different. So it really countered my expectations with something I wasn't quite ready to digest. Um, and there's, I mean, I'll tell you what, there's some memorable scenes in this movie. 
that I, I, I still think about, including one with a rag um, that might be the counter scene of the best scene of the year. No. <laughs> but um, there, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know why this movie did not resonate with me as much as I wish it had. Um, but yeah, Sam and Eric, where slash how did you feel about this movie? I don't know why I said where. Um, where do you feel? <laughs> I actually ranked it exactly where we put it. Nine out of ten. Um, so that was validating. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I watched it once again late at night and got bored. So I was like, this sucks. And then waited five months or something or however long. And then just watched it again <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't think it uh, was insane um though as much credit as it gets for being really pretty and its cinematography is gorgeous i think its main like the best thing about it is its editing personally i think it is one of the best edited movies that i've seen in a while um it's actually insane um just like the first like couple scenes i was like floored which is how they're pacing it and how they're going through these very complex shots was seamlessly i was i was very taken aback it is definitely, uh, it. this movie pushes the boundaries for sure. Um, even though it takes what is like, you know, like a very known tale, it, it definitely adds some spice. That is true. I, I, would, I would definitely say it, it does add some spice. Perhaps too much spice, but um, some spice. I'm afraid. Too much spice in Dune. <laughs> too much spice in dune well literally yes you're not wrong about that um it's not enough spice it's a valued resource <laughs> eric what do you what, how do you feel about green knight yeah i mean i like the green knight. i mean i remember touching on this when we talked on the podcast like i like green knight in the sense of a movie about dev patel and or sir gawain being this guy who's in a way fucked by this societal expectation for him to be this like myth and what it means to have honor he's fucked by this expectation and this internal like calling to go get his head chopped off which is like if you looked at that in normal sense like that's the stupidest thing you could ever do and yeah, bro the um, rules were so clear just like yeah like, what a, like so clear. I, I was like, come on come on like straight man moment um <laughs> I, this movie definitely suffered from what I, it looks very plastic to me. I just like really don't like how this movie looks. <laughs> it looks so plastic and shiny to me that, that it doesn't feel lived in. Um, and I just didn't have a great time watching it. It was entertaining to the degree that I was like, cool. Like this was a movie. But I, yeah, it's nice. Caleb, since this is your number one film, what is, before we move on to our number eight, can you tell me what your favorite thing about The Green Knight is, what you want our viewers to walk away with knowing about The Green Knight? Uh, definitely the interrogation of, of honor is just something to, to think about long after you've seen it. But within the movie itself, I don't know, kind of also 
playing on on this idea uh of like yeah yeah the, the rules certainly were obvious but <laughs> I, think, I think attached to this whole thing is a great aura of inevitability uh and i don't know just the way things play out it feels like it was it was really necessary that it happened this way and i think that's kind of tied to the sense of honor um is that you know it, it, honor and fate really go hand in hand and it's like you're watching somebody live out his fate and and that that's why it's so interesting where when he has a chance to push back on what it feels like he's destined to, to become that's where we i mean that's the most interesting part that's where we we really get to know the character and ourselves when we think about how we might react in the same situation that really is it, I think it's actually far less common in cinema that we get to witness a character make a choice like that, where he really understands what's happening on, on both sides. And he just, what he's expected to do, what he wants to do, and you know what he has to do. He, he, he's able to step back and, and witness it all, and literally in this kind of alternate sequence at the end. Uh, and just to watch him make that choice was was very powerful um and yeah it, it makes the whole thing have this this air of inevitability which is always something that i appreciate uh in movies but i think was really well played out here can i add on to that i'm just i think i agree with all that and to push back a little bit on eric's plastic comment I think one of the things the film did really well is this idea of like inevitability and choice and all that and honor is a very like human individual kind of construct. And yet the film didn't shy away from its role as like legend. Um, it's certainly, I just really liked how it intertwined the very human morals of what Caleb, you were describing, as well as the this is a legend that stood the test of time. Like the, the kings and queens have halos and the green knight is this like, you know, awe-inspiring figure with a giant battle ax. Like I thought they really uh, like kind of morphed those things together. And I, I get why that can make it seem almost plastic because it seems like fake to a certain extent. But I do think it was really interesting, like, uh, not necessarily a contradiction, but just like it, it I don't know, it, it validated it up to a certain extent. As human as it was, it was still like this great thing. Sam, while you're uh, while you're here, why don't you introduce our number eight next film? Sick. Uh, this film held a special place in my heart because it was one of the only films I saw this year in a packed theater. Um, nice little independent theater near my apartment in St. Louis, uh, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Um, as all Wes Anderson films are, it is weird. It is very weird. Um, the plot is hard to describe. It's essentially, uh, at first it describes the magazine, The French Dispatch started by some dude played by Bill Murray. And then it goes into individual tales, vignettes, you might say. And each is a little short story that Wes Anderson puts together 
all taking place somewhere in this town in France. Um, there's, there's three main ones, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, and each is not that intertwined. And as, again, as most Wes Anderson films are, it just kind of focuses on the awkwardness of humanity, even despite these sort of grand ideas um, of war and rebellion and conflict. Uh, but yeah, I liked it. Uh, it was nice to hear people laughing at non-jokes again. It's one of my favorite parts of going to the theater. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was very pleasant to watch. Um, and Wes Anderson has mastered his craft at this point. Uh, my friend who I saw it with this said, it almost seems like self-parody at this point, but to a certain extent, I agree, but I think he's just, he knows what he does. And we, as an audience, all know what he does and we love it. And we just go to see it because it's fun. Yeah, I, this was my first Wes Anderson film, actually. Uh, no, that's a lie. I, I, my first live action. I've seen Isle of Dogs. Um, Caleb, but, have you seen Isle of Dogs? <laughs> but this is my first live action. And I have to say, this movie for me has become so underrated, I feel like, for me at this point. Because it was probably one of the best theatrical experiences I've had. It's just such a fun, warming, like, I mean, it's not, some of the stories are, not necessarily happy and fun but it, it, it's just I don't know it's something about the atmosphere of it. it just feels like a nice warm blanket and it's just a nice it's just such, such a nice film and you know this was my first time really being exposed I guess to the live action Wes Anderson the editing the you know everything that makes it such a you know maybe for some now a very expected you know style but for me a very unique and very surprising like you know, oh, I've really never really seen this before. So, and I mean, the three stories were great. We we talked about this pod, or we po talked about this ep uh, this film on the podcast, and you know, we went through all of them, and each of the stories still stick out to me. Although one and two much more. I think I originally said number one was my favorite, but number two is the one that sticks out to me most. However, months later with uh, the Tim Timothy Chalamet. Um, that one is the one that actually sticks out the most to me um, months online. I still, I still like see myself watching that sequence and seeing him as his character and seeing uh, Francis McDormand. And I, that one definitely stands the test of time more to me than the other ones. So. I'm a certified hoe for Wes Anderson. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I like this is one of the most superficially like and like his style is just one of the most superficially entertaining things ever at this point it's so intricate and it's so well choreographed and the way he writes I mean this movie is sort of based on like a New Yorker type model magazine right and that just seems so perfect for the type of like language Wes Anderson uses just like his entire sensibility just screams like hipster New Yorker reader type guy and it's it tickles it tickles me and the each story on its own is very moving and the entire structure of it as the recreation of Bill Murray's last magazine it's sort of like this obituary to his editing uh, that 
I really loved, um, right? Like, cause these stories are the stories that were included in the last issue of the magazine before Bill Murray died. Um, I think the third one is the one that's really grown for me the most. Jeffrey Wright is the performance that I think is the best one in this movie. I really love him. And yeah, I was, I was tickled. I'm always sort of sucker punched by how emotional I get in West Anderson movies because I go into them thinking they're, every time without fail, I go into them thinking they're like dollhouse fun movies. And then at the end, I'm like, well, dang, <laughs> like that was sad. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, you know, I, I think I may, was saying the wrong words. It, it feels like a blanket, but it's not necessarily a high. It's very much more emotional than it seems, but there's just something about the films that seems so like mythical. Like, it's like, magical. A, like, a, like a wet blanket. Like, like a wet, warm blanket. That's it. <laughs> I feel like this movie is so sad to me how many people haven't seen this movie and how much money this movie won't make. Because if, like, like look, I don't mean to call out Spider-Man. It's a good film. All right. I, I enjoy it. But when you know that that movie is making hundreds of millions of dollars more than the French Dispatch, it kind of makes you a little depressed. That's all I'm going to say. Anytime I think of the French Dispatch, I get depressed because I'm like, wow, this is really good movie. This, this, this is really good movie. But you look at like how much money it made and it's just like, I'm just like, wow, this is, this is really sad. That's all. Delayed that's... a whole year, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it was supposed started... to open Can in 2020. Yeah. Do you re- do we really think it would have made that much more? No. I mean, yes, it would have made maybe would have made more. Do we think it's going to compete with any blockbuster? No, never. And that's that's sad. And I don't mean to get into the a rant. Just fringe made money, but it's never. It, what, like, what what do you think, Eric? <laughs> where do you think it ranks in? total money made in 2021 <laughs> like for films it's like way down <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah it's as i don't much know as wes anderson is like kind of a household name though there is a nice little charm of being like this is a quirky little movie that no one else is seeing that's you know? yeah it's, it's the thing is i but, feel like it is a household name you think it would yeah. be more like it would make more i don't know i don't know like you can't see that movie at an amc that's i don't know hey you, what the you, hell you got against amc man I'm just saying it's like I it's, go to AMC movies better. <laughs> Heartbreak feels good at the AMC. <laughs> I think we gotta I, we gotta teach Sam a lesson with some uh, I, I, with uh, I was... this place. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, any last any last words on the French Dispatch before we move on? I think it gets really bad for being uh, very emotionally tuggy but I thought it was quite emotional and I liked that and it was a good movie. Wes Anderson knows something about humans and that is that none of us know what the fuck we're doing and I think he gets that across real well. I'm excited just the fact that I've seen like none of his movies like I get I get to enjoy them for the first time still like that's moments in my life coming up that I haven't experienced that that makes me happy that makes me fall asleep at night. All right, Caleb, would you like to introduce our number seven movie? Yes. Uh, clocking in at number seven, 
is Bo Burnham's Inside, which I guess you could also count as a musical that's worse than In the Heights. Uh, this is, it's, I don't know, there, there's plenty of ways to describe Inside. You, you could call it a feature, you could call it almost like a, a concept album uh, brought to life. This is his, uh, this is how he coped with, you know, being locked inside as we all were. And of course, still are because when did the pandemic start? Like a couple of weeks ago? I don't know. Uh, this is his whole journey through, I don't know, loneliness and uh, trying to express creativity when he's used to doing that. Uh, either in front of thousands of people or, you know, with a cast and crew around him to help film something that millions of people will see. Uh, so this is, it's, it's an ode to, to loneliness and mental health when we're stuck in conditions that aren't really uh, designed to, to keep our mental health super afloat. Uh, and and it takes a lot of what he's good at, sharp uh, insights on the world, uh, funny music, especially, you know, witty lyrics and storytelling, which he's documented over the years and, of course, did in his feature debut, Eighth Grade. Um, it is, there's, there's, you know, there's only so much that he's able to do with this material, which is, you know, creating this this story of just mental decline uh but i don't think he wears out his welcome i think he he's very aware of uh of the image he presents for himself for better or for worse uh and i don't know i thought it was a really unique movie and, and a nice look singular look into the mind of somebody you know, maybe not super similar to everyone, but definitely going through something we all experience. I want to hear what Sam has to say about Inside. Oh, sick. I just have that draw, I guess. Um, no, I think this in a world where I ranked movies solely based on how I emotionally responded to them, this is easily number one. Uh, it feels kind of like weird to say because uh, I don't know. It it like it. You could argue maybe it's a little too on the nose. I don't know. But when I watched it, just seeing all these things I've been feeling just for months, and that felt very personal because you know the pandemic is an experience you arguably everyone is kind of experiencing on their own, and to have something on the screen that says, "Hey." Like, I know we're not talking to each other a lot, but like, we're, we're all feeling the same things. Like, this sucks for all of us. That was very cathartic to me. I also think I really enjoyed it because it seemed not just modern in the sense of touching on current events, but it, I really liked how it was the culmination of like this YouTube culture. Like, I grew up with YouTube. I watch YouTube all the time. And I think it represents almost maybe the beginning of a transition towards this idea that people can actually make things entirely by themselves and that is a concept that I don't know 
how often that's explored um, in the past. But I, I just think that's a really cool thing, um, regardless of the rather depressing tone of it. Um, I think it's a fascinating concept. And what he manages to do with like lights and sound all by himself is actually kind of ridiculous. Man is very talented. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, almost never discussed in film. Uh, the idea of creating something all by yourself is you're always told whether in movies you see or just you know being around the creation of movies about how much of a collaborative process filmmaking is, and it is generally, uh, which yeah makes it all the more impressive just how professional this is. Uh, it is almost impossible to believe that 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 he did this solo. Uh, yeah, it's it's super uh, it's super well done, and it would be well done if it was a team effort and if it was totally scripted from start to finish and not you know more cobbled together as he comes up with ideas. Uh, but I think that's just a, a testament to his to his ability that. Uh, it looks as good as it does, and the story plays out as smoothly as it does. And you also have to wonder, like, are you able to communicate the same way with other people in the room, right? Like, at the end of the day, as much as he's planning to release this, he was always just talking to himself. And it was like, to what extent do does your ability to express yourself change when you're just kind of, you know, talking to a mirror? It's, it's a really fascinating concept to me. And it, I wonder if it really was even just like two or three people, if you'd be able to open up the same way he did. Because he, he really showed his low points. And, I, and it's, it, it makes you wonder, I guess, if you would be able to do that with any amount of external presence. It's, you can definitely, uh, he, he would have been able to take solace in the fact like, ah, well, I can record this, and if if I if I later choose, you know, nobody will ever know about it. So yeah, I think that's that's a nice that's a nice point. This is making me want to see it. I yeah, have, I, seen I, it? I, I have not either. And oh, snap. oh my god, pandemic stuff gets me weepy. Like last this season of Top Chef on the first episode when they talked about the pandemic and the confessionals for like two minutes, I was like, wow, like don't hold me back. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to see it now. Absolutely I only want this movie mainly from the Phoebe Bridgers cover of that funny yeah. movie, which everyone should listen to. Because it's so icon. good. Absolute icon. See, and I, I, I've seen everything Bo Burnham before. And I, I love Bo Burnham. Like he, I, I don't, his humor, the type of humor he has is just right on the nail for me. So I'm, I, I guess, I don't know. I just haven't prepped myself to watch this yet. Uh, I was going to try to do it before this and I will definitely, and it'll be in the near future that I, I, I do watch this and I'm, I'm excited. So, yeah. Okay, I'm glad me and Caleb managed to drag it into the top 10. It, it did it did make the top 10 it, I, i'm sure it would have still been there had i seen it and maybe eric i don't know but uh, i i think i will really enjoy this um i feel like it's hard to criticize it's a real hard movie to say that was bad yeah like, but there, i mean so it, you could just not connect with it you know what no, i'm saying I get it, I get it. but um but also it's such a universal experience like that's true that's true 
I don't know. I'm 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 excited to see what this is like compared to all of his other work. So yeah. Caleb, would you like to introduce yeah, you're going back to back? Would you like to introduce uh, our, our number here. six? Uh this movie came out of nowhere and landed in everybody's hearts and top tens, especially Eric. <laughs> um, Definitely Eric. I don't know, just something about being a little sleepy when there's a, an animal in the title of a, of a movie. <laughs> and number six is Pig. This is uh, Nicolas Cage in a sometimes Nick Cagey role, but oftentimes much more uh, nuanced and soft-spoken and just very emotionally impactful role uh, as, a, as a truffle hunter who has his pig stolen and goes on a journey to get his pig back you could describe the whole movie as just that and uh if you haven't seen it i would encourage you to just listen to that description and, and go watch it and come back to the you love to see it podcast uh, upon completion uh but i don't know this was a really surprising and emotional movie and i don't know it's there's a an unsuspecting friendship here between Nick Cage and Alex Wolf. Um, there's there's some great I don't know kind of underground kitchen uh, fight club drama, uh, and there's a lot of humanity throughout this whole thing uh, about how love can help one persevere. <laughs> as, as I don't want to jump too close to to that silly Marvel quote territory. Um, but, you know, a lot about meaning and, you know, living a life when all of, or almost all of what you've known and what made you who you were has been stripped from you and what that does to a person. And, you know, about what really matters in the end. Uh, there, uh, there's the obvious dichotomy between the very wealthy wolf uh, or whose character is Amir and Nick Cage's Robin, you know, is a young kid with all the material possessions. And then this, this old, this, this older guy who kind of just lives in the woods and, and is on his own with, you know, just his pig as, as company. Um, so it, it takes that, you know, the, that obvious dichotomy and, and really runs with it and makes something a lot more, nuanced and careful and and really touching in the end and i think it has one of the greatest uh final scenes of the year and i i agree all around just uh, a really beautiful movie but the seattle slander though i did not appreciate it. <laughs> the seattle slander this movie to me is one of the most memorable movies of the year because it was so out of left field and there is some incredible lines there's some incredible moments and that last scene in my head is the second best last scene of the year behind another movie um 
which we will not talk about. <laughs> but that that pig is incredible. Pig is incredible, and I, I mean, for a debut, I, I as a director like Michael Cern- uh, Michael Cernoski, it's just, I mean, it, it's it's incredible. It, it, that movie, I can still remember so many lines, so many moments, and yeah, it was silly at times, but. My God, like what a what a comeback for you know Nicholas Cage has always had it. Don't don't trust me. Nicholas Cage has always been underrated. He's always had it, but it's been a while since someone has handed Nick Cage a good script. And Pig was that movie. I mean, Nicholas Cage rocked it. I mean, absolutely rocked it. And Alex Wolf did a great job as well. But I mean, Nicholas Cage just destroyed it. And there was one line in particular towards the end, you know, I'm going to butcher it. So I don't want to say, but essentially he basically saying, you know, like I love her or something to the pig. And it's just like the way it's a very powerful moment. And yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Honestly, I'm, I'm happy this made it inside our top 10 because in, in terms of just uniqueness and in, in terms of true cinema, this deserves it, man. This is true cinema. <laughs> I was quite shocked it got to number six. I was, I did not know I had that kind of pull. Uh, you funny. you helped pull it. You help. It's in your. Yeah, it's, it's I gave it points. Yeah, I gave yeah. Points. Um, you both touched on this, but it did feel very wise for a directorial, directorial, directorial debut. Um in that I, I do think it's a little rough around the edge of the times. Um, it wasn't perfectly made, but at its core, I think, as you guys both touched on, it definitely resonated in a way that you wouldn't expect of an up and come. Yeah. Eric, you want to flame it real quick? Eric, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to watch this in the theater three times and three times I it's a hazy so experience that I remember waking up at around the end credits and being really frustrated that I didn't pull through. <laughs> I remember this. I remember this. <laughs> but uh, work, I guess. It, it seems interesting. I want to see it. I mean, in my mind, as someone who hasn't seen this movie, I would think that perhaps the reason I struggled with it is perhaps the reason I struggled with Another movie that's further up on our list in that it's trying to be two very, dif- very disparate types of movies. I hope it's not and the one it, I think you think it is. And maybe the reason I fell asleep is because it didn't manage combining those two very different movies in a way that felt cohesive to me. But or maybe I have not made it more made than 15 or 20 minutes through this movie, so I... I cannot say. (laughs) He he always conveniently fell asleep right before the Seattle part. (laughs) I I remember hearing that in my subconscious. How about that? (laughs) I I there was the furthest I made. No, okay, because I made it definitely at least a snippet of the underground fight club. I was subliminally awake for. Yeah, I think you made it quite a way before you fell asleep. I remember watching you fall asleep. What? What? I, I not watching, but I remember you falling asleep. Zach you, is 
Zach is watching at the AMC 10. And <laughs> My eyes are locked on you, Eric, when you're falling asleep. I'm always, I'm, I'm an inquisitive person. I'm a, I, let's just say I have a lot of, uh, I'm an empath. Um, I really, I really care. <laughs> how other people are doing the that word on this yeah. And so I looked at Eric. I, I look at Eric and Caleb a lot when we watch movies together. And oh. so I, I always look at, Eric especially because I I, he just I know he's gonna fall asleep certain times I thought he fell asleep at the last duel as well uh, as an empath he watches funny yeah well and I hey I also fell asleep during one of Eric's Eric's favorite movie last year um well you know I saw this quote from a director that said oh I know you're gonna fall asleep (laughs) during a movie is to be as comfortable as possible with it so it's a sign of respect so maybe this should have been your number one you feel like three times <laughs> Maybe yeah. first cow should have been my number one then since I fell asleep. <laughs> but uh well the quote is something like like it like gave me a really good time in the theater, but those are the movies that keep me up at night or something like that. No, oh, interesting. The ones that give me the like the courtesy to let me fall asleep <laughs> yeah. are the ones that keep me up at night. Maybe that's sleep deprivation. <laughs> Probably from watching 365 plus movies in a year, Eric. That's probably why you fell asleep during Pig. I don't fall asleep in the theater that often. I mean, you fall asleep more than I have. You had this year alone, Pig three times, The Suicide Squad. I mean, can we continue here? <laughs> Maybe Last Duel. We don't know for sure on that one, um, but a few times. All right. Sam, would you kick us off into our top five movies? Let's go. Blast us off 20, in there. And this isn't applicable to this movie, but can I just say, two of the top five women directors, pat ourselves on the back, pat ourselves on the back. We, That's we, only 20% we, we support women on this podcast. But it's also 40% of the top five. So success, progress, let's go. Um, number five is vaguely about women, not directed by a woman. Um, uh, Red Rocket by the pinnacle of American indie cinema, Sean Baker. Um, I love this man. I saw this film with Eric recently. It's about a porn star in Trump country, which I texted one of my friends who's not super into movies. And she was very confused about why I would ever watch that. Um, I did hear people walked out of this movie when it premiered um, because it is a little graphic. It is a little, it touches on things that a lot of uh, privileged people do not like to be reminded of. Um, and like most Sean Baker movies, it has an incredible sense of setting. It is very caring to its characters, but does not, uh, I will say support their actions, although it understands them. Um, and in general, it just follows these characters while they go about. And it's a very good, uh, sort of analysis of the patriarchy in a way and how, just straight men kind of have outreaching effects on people around them just by, you know, making, just following their gut instincts, essentially. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what you guys thought about it. We're actually the only ones who've seen this. So oh, okay. <laughs> I think Red Rocket is great. I think what I loved about it, I love how restrained it is, but more than anything else, I think... Red Rocket is a movie sort of about what types of people are the ones who are allowed to, I guess, escape 
isn't necessarily the right word, but leave Trump country. This movie is set in Texas City, but Simon Rex's uh, porn star, um, whose penis is referenced in the titular Red Rocket. Um, and shown very many times. <laughs> um, he has been a porn star in LA for a long time. And he is this like smarmy, like sort of a terrible manipulative grooming, sort of gross human being, um, but also like this fantastic charismatic hustler. And you sort of see what type of person gets out of these places. Like you see so many images that are that have like stayed in my mind of him as this sort of happy-go-lucky, like super energetic guy biking through what's literally like almost like this flat industrial wasteland. And that sort of juxtaposition is what's really struck with me about at least Simon Rex's energy. There's also this idea that Simon Rex has been able to be in the position he's in. I don't think, I think this movie is very much, as Sam said, in touch with the fact that Simon Rex is able to be in the position he's in because he's a man. He's able to stay in the porn industry as long as he's in because he's a man, unlike his ex-wife who he moves in with at the beginning of the movie. Because of his status as this like sort of short man, he's able to groom this 17 year old child, which is pretty much the main plot of the movie is him grooming a, grooming a 17 year old girl to try to exploit her body to make money and go back to LA and make more money. Um, and yeah, this movie is very charming. It's very funny, yet it stays very dark. I love what everything that happens at the end to me is very satisfying to see, I don't know, the community come together. It's very satisfying to have this sort of ambiguous ending. And this movie very much so has not too much music. I think there's some satie in there, but it indulges in the iconography of NSYNC's Bye Bye Bye. Which is involved in possibly my favorite shot of the year. So, oh my God, amazing scene. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> is that the only music in the entire movie? No, I think there's one other music cue, but that's mm. pretty much it. I mean, this is one of the movies I was talking about that looks better than The Green Knight. This movie yeah. has- Wait, do you, did you think it was shot on film maybe? This is shot on 16 mil. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Wait, why? <laughs> you know, Sean Baker's known to be a film snob. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean Baker shot this on film. <laughs> I, think this is, I think this is 16 mil. It looks like 16 mil. I mean, uh, he has two mediums. It's either film or iPhone. That's what he uses. Yeah, that's true. I, I, his letterbox review for the Florida Project, I'm pretty sure, is just like, ew. It's, it's like one star. It's like, ew, the last scene is shot on digital. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me look up right now. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's 16, though. Yeah, That's I'll not say, entirely relevant, though. Red I'll Rocket, say, great movie. It's in theaters. It's wonderful. Everyone should go see it. I'll say that I tried very hard to see this movie. I literally looked it up as soon as Eric kind of told me about it. It was like, you need to go see this. I'm like, all right, I will. And the day I looked it up that night, was the last time it was playing around me. 
and it's not playing anywhere else around me forever again, I guess. In the so, film capital of the world, Montana? Well, I'm in Arizona. I live in Arizona. We're in Arizona. So okay. nice. I yeah, I mean, I, I that's I'm in a big city and I can't even find like a local movie theater. No, I'm in Tucson. Um, but yeah, I couldn't find anything, and I was so disappointed. And Docs you know, back. he's in Tucson. <laughs> Docs me. Yeah, I'm. I'm very upset. Hopefully, I will see this when it comes out on rental. Then um, I definitely will make it a priority to do so. so. If you haven't seen his other works, Florida Project, Tangerine. I, I haven't seen Florida Project or Tangerine, and so I'm. You I'm, haven't either, Erica. I haven't, and not to. This is Starlet Erasure. His feature debut from 2010 or 2011. Oh, my bad, my bad. I think I it's from the Criterion Collection soon. Well, there we go. Maybe Eric yes. will have to, maybe we'll have to pick it up and watch it. I'm I'm down. All, All three, to... I I gave four and a half at least some litter box. So wow, that is very a big, big fan of Mr. Baker. <laughs> All right. Well, moving to number four, Sam, you're back on the clock for uh Woo! number four, which is a movie that I know you and Eric in particular hold very dear. I do very much like this movie. Um, I was a little worried having to introduce it because I'm not sure I can totally do it justice, nor do I feel like I totally understand it. But I did make it number two out of all movies this year. Um, it is Power of the Dog. Uh, if I, Am I remembering this? Jane Campion, when was the last time she made a movie? 2009, yeah. Bright Star. So yeah, her first movie since 2009's Bright Star. Um, uh, Netflix release. Um, it's, where's it set? Montana. In hey, let's go. It's set in Montana with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Fun playing... fact. Do you know where it was filmed? Because I do. New Zealand. You were right, Eric. Gold where? Star. Gold hmm. Star. New Zealand. Jane Campion is from... New Zealand, yeah, did not know that. That's where the piano is from. I know that much. Looks a uh, lot like Montana. Won't lie. Sorry. Continue, Sam. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch plays this like almost prototypical masculine Western hero, but it's very clear that he has a lot of oppression issues. Um, his brother, who I'm totally blanking on who played his brother, Jesse Plemons. Uh, Jesse, yeah, Jesse Plemons, um, plays a more like self-assured. Uh, homebody and then um wow i'm totally thinking all these actresses and actress names what's the third cody smith mcphee no 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 kirsten she was in for like two minutes huh but like wife kirsten dunst yeah kirsten dunst plays the wife and she has a son who sort of faces this these external pressures of do I quote unquote be myself, which is a more feminine, uh, like, I don't want to say he was gay, but he, you know, he had an aura and that's kind of what was implied <laughs> by Benedict right? Like when Benedict Cumberbatch was, was flaming him in the movie, that is what he was implying. I'm going to say it. Um, but that's how he starts off. And then Benedict Cumberbatch, probably because some of his repression issues kind of takes him under his wing and teaches him how to be quote unquote a real man um and it's sort of about this uh dilemma and the people watching and what they think about it um but again i'm not sure i can do it justice i'm not sure i fully understand it but it was a very touching film 
Well, Eric How will talk everyone in whatever I said at the end of our Power of the Dog episode about why I liked it, because I think that summed up most of my thoughts. I mean, I just love a movie that upends my expectations in such a like a delicious way. Like delicious. by the end of the movie, it's like ben, the guy you thought was so self-assured, self-assured becomes the one who you find out all along was the most insecure. And the guy who you thought was like not so sure of himself, you find out has been so manipulative, plotting, terrifying, confident the entire time. And I mean, as I said before, it's just such a moving tragedy about societal expectations. It's an, it's a beautiful end of an era movie and all that sort of ennui, sadness, so societal oppression goes through all the characters. It permeates throughout all the landscapes and all the landscapes are shot. And it's beautiful, it's, it's perfect. It definitely adds nuance to traditional characters. Um, when the film begins, everyone is framed as sort of, I don't wanna say a total caricature stereotype, but they definitely fit a mold of a sort of Western character. But the whole, almost the whole goal of the film is to add that nuance and make you think, oh, you know, people are complex. Um, masculinity is complex, femininity is complex, and people don't just fall into these molds. There's a reason they fall into them, um, whether that be internal, external, all that sort of thing. And it definitely challenged a little bit how I thought of myself, which is why I rated it so highly. Um, but again, still not quite sure how it did that. And my favorite movies are typically the ones I don't fully understand. So I'm a very big Jane Campion fan. I love the piano and I love this one. So. Yeah, great, uh, great score, um, and <laughs> I, <laughs> this movie's grown on me. It's grown on me a lot since our last, since our episode. Uh, it's only been like two weeks, but it's grown on me, um, and I think it will continue to do so. And I think upon rewatch, will also increase in rating uh, because I think there is something so soft about this movie but so devastating and so tragic at the same time it's just like this this is this movie grows on me and i find myself thinking about it more and more um and i think it's just like kind of like what eric said the the shifting of expectations of having this really masculine man who you think has everything together falling apart and the you know more feminine someone we think is weaker turning out to actually have it all together and be more a lot more cunning than we realized um it's it's a ride for sure um and and i think i think i think it, it grows on you for sure and it's also a very just a very atmospheric film so i will say that that scene with jesse plemons and kirsten dunst in like the field Jane Campion knows how to direct intimate moments. I love her for that. It's ridiculous. Good They're moment. all so good. I will say, I think there's so much buzz around Kirsten Dunst. And she did good, but I didn't find her. I didn't find the character or her that incredible. She plays a similar character a lot. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's so there's much more recognition to be made for... Cody, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Cody. Benedict. Yeah, like it, Cody it's true. 
Uh, like the, I mean, they just have to be happen to be the two people with the most screen time, and it, they're just, yeah, they really make that movie. So, Kirsten, I would not be mad. I would not be mad. No, I mean, yeah, like after she got like no buzz from Melancholia, and that came around. Fuck you, Lars. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts, Caleb? Would you like to chime in? On, you know, we've had a podcast it, episode. It, it, it's it still is what it was for me, and that like I I understood it, and I I just didn't feel it. Well, I'm women directors. <gasps> oh my! God. Speaking of women directors, speaking of the best women directed movie, woman directed movie of the year, um. Actually, I don't even know who directed in that. I won't lie. Not a woman. Yeah, not a um, woman. Be, even though it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't make our top 10 anyways. Um, but I was thinking about my personal list. Um, the next movie holds a very special place in my heart and a special place on my rankings, but a more special place in Sam's rankings. Um I was in the camp of having this as my number one film until something I, you know, we won't be talking about replaced it. Um, but this movie held the number one spot for almost a full year. And that is Tatan. Tatan is even to this day, such a remarkably unique, terrifying enlightening. I, I can't use enough advanced vocabulary that I learned in middle school to to praise this film because it is just it's special and I think this movie will be one of my favorite films for a long time um so it's a ton uh after I I don't even know how to describe this movie I won't lie this movie is I feel like very difficult for me to describe but uh the character of Alexia uh is essentially working as a stripper slash showgirl type figure with these cars. And she actually has this sexual relationship with a car, which uh, you eventually see gets her pregnant and give birth in the final scene to a uh, car baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a real movie, I promise. Um Alexia essentially after murdering a bunch of people for some just some unjust reasons um, ends up running away and posing as a the son of a firefighter who had run away decades ago um, or a decade 10 years and the rest of the film is essentially Alexia trying to become this character of Adrian while having safe harbor and getting through the pregnancy of her car baby and navigating who they are. This, this movie has a lot of commentary on gender, on sexuality, on literally everything. Um, and yeah, this movie I remember watching in theaters with Eric and Caleb, and it still to this day is 
just remarkable. I don't know. I, I, I think this is a similar answer to, or similar reasoning that Sam gave that I don't know why this movie has stuck with me so long. And I don't necessarily know the reasons why I love it, but I just do. It's, it, it's very profound. So that's what I will say. You know, I mean, we, I want to know once again, I want to know what Sam thinks about this movie because people have heard at least me and Caleb's opinions on this movie. So I want to hear. Oh, you did a podcast episode on this movie. We did. (laughs) I'm going to have to listen to that. (laughs) seems like there's some tension. Um, I don't know, man. She oozes oil out of her nipples. Come on now. It's a great film. Um, I just love films that are out there. I love films that are daring to talk about gender because I think gender is involved in every interaction we have with someone else. I don't think we talk about it enough. Um, It's one of the reasons I've started getting really into women directors because I think they have a unique relationship with gender that men don't. Um, So given that, that's just, I was destined to fall in love with this movie. Um, But even so, it is, even though it, only follows one character is very touching and like caring towards the characters involved and no one seems to be at fault for anything that happens it's very like non-judgmental other than the societal systems that perpetuate um uh like inside i thought it was a a good uh, analysis of loneliness um and just discomfort sort of that body dysmorphia like how do I show myself as a man when I don't feel that inside and I I feel like there's this literally like this belly that gives me a way it's trying to like protrude out of me and I do everything I can to hold it in that sort of idea I thought that was really well done and a lot of that that sort of metaphorical gender relationship stuff I just was really into and also the idea of like you know having sex with a car because it's you know not a man like I don't know there's all sorts of metaphorical things that I just really loved and again just I love films that are out there and about gender so that's why I put this number one I am curious uh where tension may be coming from though oh there's a lot there's been tension all year I mean, no, I mean, you... I mean, this is the movie I was talking about where this is the movie that wants to be so many different things that don't come together. I mean, like we've talked about this movie, but the first 40 minutes of this movie are a serial killer movie. No, where no it's, it's like 30 15. minutes. It's like 15, 40 minutes. The whole part of this movie where she goes around like brutally murdering people. Wait, she didn't brutally murder that many people, right? It was like one oh, house. No, she brutally. Well, yeah, she but brutally she murdered at least five or six people. She, yeah, she, and yeah. Why she, that's why that the like first person on the run from the police. The first person she was getting attacked, like she was, like the guy, like you know, was essentially trying to, yeah, have sex with her. And then and she like murdered the whole party. House. Like the murders then, were relevant. Like it was a little bit violent, but. It had to do with that rage, you know, you're holding back, like these issues are constantly facing you. And like, it probably isn't like, it makes you, it makes you angry. It shifts like, a lot. I won't like lie. To a certain extent. Yeah. It, sh- it shifts a I lot. Don't know. But I don't think it's that long. I think it's shorter, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I just feel like that type of very 
I mean, specifically on that section, that type of cold, super gory violence is something that doesn't work for me. The most recent example of that would be Possessor, another movie I found very cold Love Possessor. and uninviting. And then... Possessor is cold. I will say I, that. I don't know. I just felt like I was in a remove, even though I agree with you on all the bottom dysmorphia stuff. I, I mainly remember this movie for all the dancing scenes, the body imagery, and then a lot of the like mellow dancing firefighter moments. I thought those were nice. There is the dancing scenes are some of the best scenes of the year. I will I will say that. Um, the, the, this movie is just. I don't like I, I can't fully explain it. I think it's the same with Sam. It just it's so out there. But it also is out there and I can still I can still piece some of it together. But it's just enough that it, 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 it piques my interest a lot. So feels very subjective to me. I don't know. Everything that was out there about it still felt very grounded in the experiences of this one main character. I thought that was really well done. Um, but that's his personal take, I guess. All right. Well, Eric gets to reveal our last two movies. Yes. Of the Speaking night. about movies that are so many things, PTA's Licorice Pizza. Um, Licorice Pizza is PTA's sort of love letter to the 70s, specifically the 70s in the San Fernando Valley, which I think almost all of his movies are set in. Um, And the movie centers around Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim. Cooper Hoffman plays a 15-year-old. I think he's around the same age. And Alana Haim, who's playing this 25-year-old woman, um, both of them sort of don't really cohere at their ages. Uh, Cooper Hoffman seems much older. Alana Haim feels like she is going through a coming-of-age movie. This movie feels like a coming-of-age movie is about her. And the movie is basically a bunch of sort of loose vignettes of these people and segments of their lives in the 70s and somehow continuously being attracted to each other. We see Cooper Hoffman, who originally plays this child actor sort of movie star, go into like a waterbed business, go into um, like, what else does he do? He opens a pinball palace, um, all sort of on his own while not going to school. And we see Alana Haim uh, trying to figure out what to do with her life. Uh, she first, like, gets a job. Oh, I'm blanking on what she does. She, ta- she gets a job first taking high school photos, which is how she meets Cooper Hoffman. She eventually gets in with Cooper Hoffman on his waterbed business, ultimately uh, going to uh, this, to work for this uh, mayoral campaign, played for this candidate played by Benny Safdie, and in all of those people, she doesn't really find the confidence, the stability, the like moral integrity that she wants and keeps finding herself attracted to Cooper Hoffman. Um, I don't think I am the biggest fan of this movie in this room, even though I did very much appreciate it, but Zach and Caleb spill. I'm going to let Caleb take most of it. I will say that one thing I will say is that 
this movie, we've had so many talks in and outside of podcasts and debates and reading of critical, and there's still so much bullshit. People just love, uh, people just love to take an artist's idea interpretation and make it into this like real world representation and in essence say that pta is supporting pedophilia through a 25 year old dating a 15 year old or whatever but it, it's just nonsense we've talked about it there's so I, I think there's this idea of just putting so much literalness into art that it just tears away from why Licorice Pizza is, is a very, very good film um, for reasons that Caleb will now talk about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, this is uh, just, just to close off what you said. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate to see so many people essentially argue that they can't like a movie almost that they're not allowed to like a movie where uh, a character's morals don't match their own um not only is is that i think kind of false and that if they, you could probably present many examples to to these uh same critics who uh where where they actually do like movies where characters have questionable morals but i think it's just a sad it point it's pointing us in a sad direction for the future where every movie has to you know operate with this moral perfection or if not it's going to take you know an, an explicit condemnation from the filmmaker saying uh i'm showing something bad but here like let's be clear I think this is bad, so it's okay. It's just, this is, you know, this is my way of showing bad things are bad. And I think that's, it's just a super uninteresting way to go. Um, as, as I mentioned, not on the initial episode, on a later episode, uh, after I rewatched Licorice Pizza, I was just absolutely convinced that the ending was perfect for this movie. Not, not because it, it, you, you know, it, it, it spits in the face of these moral purists, but because it's just easily the most honest ending there is. There's these these two people have these feelings for one another, and there's there's just no other way for for a culmination to be expressed so so strongly and so powerfully, and yes, absolutely authentically. Because this really is an authentic relationship, and that's—I mean—that that's the heart of it. Absolutely, uh, these two people who who need each other, uh, who have things going for them and against them, but really only find that they're able to make use of of those qualities of their benefits when they're together. And I don't know. I think that's every cinematic romance has that kind of necessity attached to it and and this is no exception um also on my rewatch i noticed that the story is more carefully constructed than i first thought not in a way that's obvious which i like because it, it really does have a sort of whimsy to it uh, as it just kind of bounces around eric describes as vignettes and it and it totally is that but 
when you know the the when I got to see it again, I, I saw a more coherent through line that doesn't you know latch onto or scream in your face, but is there and and guides the story in a very pleasant way. Uh, but yeah, most of all, it was just it was just the emotion that I'm stuck with. I, I love the characters. I love Gary's confidence and, you know, uh, how Alana, you know, puts up with just enough to where she doesn't really have to, where, where she can show that she doesn't put up with anything. I think she draws a, it's a really human uh, depiction uh, of a person who, you know, wants to operate with with a set of morals and draw a line in the sand but it understands there there are realities to where if you want to advance in the world especially as as a woman in the 70s uh you're gonna have to make some sacrifices and again there's there's a sort of moral implication there that's far from perfect but i don't know i think pta does a really great job just capturing these these kind of you know moral gray areas in in a beautiful way and not uh, not endorsing them and not pretending they're objective and and fair for everybody but just taking two characters who you know use each other to get where they want in a way that doesn't feel as transactional as i just described um so yeah i, I don't know i was I just I, I love I love the romance of it. I love the connection. Um, and it's just a whole lot of fun. Yeah, like, Caleb, I think you're uh, forgetting about the 11th commandment. <laughs> Thou shall not lie with a girl under 18 years of age. <laughs> just, it's set in stone. Hey, man. She's above. Well, she, unfortunately, <laughs> he's minor here. Yeah, so. yeah. She's 25. Oh, We're good. <laughs> we break that <laughs> in that case <laughs> um this gutter oh no like i was just gonna say this is as caleb said so pleasant this is one of the most superficially entertaining movies of the year i mean we've managed to get this far and not even talk about all of the fun cameos we get there's a whole bradley <laughs> cooper cameo where he plays john peters there's another whole thing with sean penn sean penn who owns these restaurants the waitress from It's Always Sunny plays Gary's mom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, I really like what Caleb said about like how this movie is very in touch with being a woman in the 70s. And this movie is almost entirely like as many of the movies we talked about on our list. Like this is a movie that's so deeply connected to gender. Like this, the entire construction of it as in my mind, basically a coming of age movie for Alana is so deeply connected to her trying to figure out what it means to grow up as a woman in the 70s. What is she supposed to do? What does she want to do with her life? And the movie touches on that in so many ways. It touches on the sleazy patriarchy of the 70s. It touches on what it even sort of on like what it even means to be like gay in the 70s. Um, and I really appreciate that. And I've never really noticed PTA really being very attuned to these issues in his previous movies they're very his previous movies strike me as with the exception of my favorite one um as my two favorites actually with the exception of my two favorites um as very very hyper masculine movies and this one is another one of those sort of welcome departures even though i 
don't think I have a very strong emotional connection with it. Yeah, I'll just say for my last thing that this movie is very memorable, very fun, very, I mean, there's just some super cute, immature, but just great moments. And it, it, it feels, I don't know, it just feels so pleasant like Eric said, to, to just be in this little world and see them interact. And, yeah, you know, if, if you really have to tear down a movie, even though you have a good time, it's just, it's unfortunate because this is, this is a good time. It's a great time. And I recommend that if you haven't seen it, you definitely do because uh, it is worthwhile. And it's nice. And this might not be like some hot take, but it's nice to see actors who are not big established, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing against that. You know, La La Land is a great movie, but Emma Stone and um, Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Ratnall, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> are, are, <laughs> are uh, you know, they're notable actors, but uh in this movie, Cooper Hoffman and uh, Alana Page. Hi. Hi, Page. Oh my God, it's, it's a late night. Um, you know they're not established, and yet they are phenomenal in this. They are they're phenomenal. Al- Alana Haim especially is, I, I mean, to, and honestly, she deserves recognition and nomination, maybe even an Oscar. She won't get it, but oh, like also great. historical note. For my cinephile history, Sam was the one who got me to watch La La Land in 2016. Wow. I walked it, I walked school, Lakeside Refectory. Sam said, I watched La La Land. You have to see it. And here we are now. Wow. Is that, is that the be, one? Is that yeah. the one movie all four of us like love? Yeah. I mean, I mean it got more. me into movies. I think it got Eric into movies. Yeah. Caleb obviously, you know, I, likes a little bit. Did not get me in the movies, but it is it is a top. I, I believe the other day I made a um on Letterbox real quick before we move on. I made a top ten of all time, and it did set in at number five. So, pretty low. Um, I feel like uh, <laughs> there's some bad, there's some good ones above it, right? But five is great. I will I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> Feels a little bit like a stereotype to to have this film podcast be super obsessed with La La Land. I don't know why. Ah, you but know, you can't it. help it. It's we could it's we could be obsessed amazing. with Fight Club or you know, it yeah. is what it is. At least it's not one of those. All right, Eric, it's right, finally Caleb, time. Shall we, shall we leave? Yeah, I think it's it's That's, time to introduce. Our contract is up. It's time to introduce West Side Story as the number one film, Eric. <laughs> no, our number one movie of the year is Leos Carax's Annette, which is not just my favorite movie of the year it is probably my favorite movie of the past four or five years it wow is... la la land was released in the in that time frame was it not like six years ago now <laughs> okay well no no, no like 2016 it's, it's the last it's, yeah. it's the only movie i've contemporaneously given five stars to since okay. i started watching movies la la land's not five stars I didn't give it five stars contemporaneously on Letterboxd. You didn't have Letterboxd. Mm, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, and yeah, so this is... No, that's the only five star? 
Yeah, it's the only contemporaneous five movie I've given five stars. R.I.P. Wayward Cloud for about two. No, days. no, no. Wait, I didn't watch Wayward Cloud contemporaneously. I was not. What does that mean? What is yeah on Orcus? No, no, no. Like, like a, 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 a new movie out. as it's coming out. Oh. oh, okay. So since you buy Letterbox, this is the only new movie. I've given five stars. You've, you've given okay. contemporaneously. That makes sense. Huh? Sure. Yeah, I, I was confused as well, but okay. continue. continue. Anyways, Leo's one of my guys, you know, amazing director. This movie is gen- is mostly about Adam Driver. It's this mini nu- nuclear family. Adam Driver, who plays Henry McHenry, who is this famous comedian, the ape of God. Uh, Marion Cotillard, who is this soprano who sings at Walt Disney Hall and their baby, the fabulous... Her- Baby and that Caleb looks like he's in so much pain. Eric, Eric, Eric. What? It's tickle time. Oh my god! Yeah, for the longest time, I thought the TikTok sound "I want to see the baby" came from Annette. Because, tickle time. It's tickle time. <laughs> Sorry, continue, Eric. Okay. Tumultuous relationship and their subsequent exploitation of baby Annette for her. Um, special singing capabilities but that does not even scratch the surface of what Annette is. Annette is just absolutely bonkers. There is obviously Adam Adam Driver's this crazy ape. There's ghosts. It's a musical that has ironic self-referential lyrics. Um, It has, what else does it have? Crazy like backdrop um oh my god i'm really blanking on this word rear projected uh wave boat imagery it has baby annette as this baby doll um it has what adam driver has this crazy scar that keeps growing it has oh my god what there's like a whole forest as um, the baby is coming out um it has a whole like me too uh adam driver is a sexual predator subplot i mean it has a whole like ghost like trial scene that's like sort of a dream sequence it is literally everything it's the best not only the most virtuosically directed movie i've seen since leos's last movie holy motors it is also the most single-handedly moving experience I've ever had inside of a movie theater. Sam just turned off his video. He, okay, never mind. <laughs> and <laughs> that is you know, just turned off his video. And that is even over like the likes of The Power of the Dog and Days, which are both overwhelming emotional experiences for me in the theater. And it's everything. Which, which of the six times you saw it was the most emotionally captivating? All six. Every time. Every time. It wasn't the one with and me. The last, the last scene of it, especially, like the way that this is a movie of sort of Adam Driver revealing basically through all of this crazy contraption, this crazy artifice of song, dance, ghost, story. Very voyeuristic. Of, of like, I guess, realizing how terrible of a human he is and that final recognition of the way that he has exploited his child and the recognition that he's perhaps learned so much about himself and shown so much of himself to the world that he is suddenly very uncomfortable is intensely moving to me. And 
because you have already heard Caleb and I talk incessantly about this movie for over an hour in our podcast episode. And you've heard me talk about this movie in probably almost every episode before and after that this year. I want to hear Zach and Sam's thoughts. I will say this movie is obviously my number one of the year. Um, It has the best ending scene of a movie I've seen in a long time. And one thing is that I may love musicals, but there is one thing that has held a special place in my heart for a long time. And that is opera. I used to love watching opera as a middle school, high school student. I don't know why I got into it. And this movie is just as much an operetta as it is a musical. The, the drama, the, the, the melodrama, the, the, the music, the, it, it is so operatic that it, well, I was like, how have I never seen a movie that was able to capture the feeling of almost an opera more than a musical like this much it, it, it is i mean the the waves you go through watching this movie the the like emotional waves the the melodrama that exists it, it is extraordinary and i have not seen a movie like it um so yeah obviously i really liked it um i was taken aback by a lot of stuff that i i avoided spoilers i mean baby annette is a whole emotional roller coaster within itself just really like see every time the doll baby is on screen um the the, the hyperbole scene is something it's maybe Annette. it is all in this very particular well-crafted world but it's also a movie that you you're engaged in but you're constantly aware that you're engaged in there's there's moments that are that make you as an audience feel guilty or feel like you are a part of the movie i mean there is a literal fictional audience in the film that is constantly commentating at originally encouraging and by the end critical of adam driver and you as an audience member feel connected to this audience it's, i've never seen a movie that makes you feel so a part of the movie that it almost feels like I was watching a live show in the theater. I mean, that's all I say. I, I, and I love theater. So any movie that can get me close to feeling like I'm there does a hell of a job of changing its medium. So yeah. Uh, and Adam driver, best performance, um, shout out to Big Bang Theory actor Simon Helberg. <laughs> That's how I recognize him. Like, is that the dude from the Big Bang Theory? Um, oh my God, amazing recurring scenes. Gr- I'm an accompanist, also a masterpiece. Also, what an amazing and also the opening scene. I, I, I mean, what is more musical? That opening scene was great. <laughs> the, what is more musical than that opening scene? Um, that's what I will say. I'll move it to Sam. Another day of sun. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, do you guys remember? I don't know if I, I think I texted all of you this. Wow, like how naive we were back then. I remember <laughs> in October of 2019, or was it November, texting everyone I knew going, guys, Leos Carax is making an Umbrellas of Sherbourg style sung through musical with Adam Driver. Oh my gosh, I don't Here remember. We that are. One. 
two or two years later. <laughs> it took me so long to see this movie. Was and that pre-podcast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it might have been right early when it was days. happening. Like very early. Because it started like October. I've been waiting for this movie for a long time. And it paid. I've never I've never seen a movie pay off that much, Eric. <laughs> I mean, look, there's this movie. It, it's it's a lot. And I I need to go back and listen to the podcast so I can listen on Caleb's thoughts more. Um, but it is out there. It's very out there. Um, and at the same time, you know, I think if I had to guess some of Caleb's, uh, not complaints, but I, I know Caleb a little bit. I've gotten a little bit more used to him. I don't think the music was necessarily his style, um, in terms of, you know, just what it is. Um, but I, I definitely see why Eric loves this movie. And it happened to be that I also, uh, found myself very connected to it. Um, yeah, very, very. Speaking of out there, it's also literally out there in the jungle of Amazon Prime Video. It is. It, that, that, is <laughs> that is true. Um, Great transition. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wish I would have been on the original podcast episode of this. I was absent. Um, it was, I think it was when I was either, it's either when I had COVID or I was just like really sick. Um, but that's not news for me. I'm always sick. Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot to say about this film and that ending scene with, uh, Adam driver and looks like, is it Devin McDowell baby Annette is just such a crushing and impactful musical number scene song, whatever it's Yeah. It's pretty great. It grew on me. I didn't, I, I remember one of the first 20 minutes, I was like, I don't know if I buy, I, like, I don't know if I'm into this. I don't know. And then I don't remember the moment, but there was a moment where I was like eyes glued to the TV the rest of the way. And I didn't even see this in theaters. I didn't even see this in theaters. I had to watch this on TV. Eric, Eric, why did you not tell Zach to see this in theaters? Yeah, why, Eric, why didn't you tell me to see it in theaters, Eric? Obviously, you know I, I would have enjoyed this movie. It. I think was it three times in a single weekend? <laughs> That's crazy. I've ne- I've never, uh, I've never done that. Every That's... time it's like I walked out of the theater, bought another ticket. For <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's. And I bought the vinyl. I don't even have a record player. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can use it on my record player, Eric. You can use it on mine. Sam, you, Sam, Caleb, you guys have any any thoughts on Annette? Do you you know you should that you want to mention? I think uh, everything I said about Dune applies to Annette, and which you might be like, Sam, you rated Dune number four, you rated Annette like fifteen. What's the, is the only difference that uh, you were a fanboy for Dune? In which case, I'd say yes, that is the only difference. Um, I'm a big fanboy for Dune. I'm not a big fanboy for Baby Annette, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. It was entertaining in the moment. Lots of shit happened, and I was like, oh, I've never seen that before in a movie. And then I left and I never thought about it again. <laughs> you know, when, Eric- when we were in the parking lot, Sam told me, I'm surprised that was entertaining. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> when you saw this movie with Caleb as well, right? I saw it with Sam. Oh, you didn't see it. On with my- oh, we were, we were digital. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Zooming it. Wander. Yeah. Caleb, that was your only time. You've only seen it once, correct? <laughs> 
feels like I've seen it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's only because I've seen it a million times. What is it? Vicariously through Eric. Yeah. That's that's about it. Um, yeah, when yeah. Sympathy for the Abyss is just blasting. <laughs> that's true. Blast I have um, listened to uh, So May We Start and Sympathy for the Abyss many. We Love Each Other So Much is... Dude, We Love Each Other So Much is... I, I know why. I can tell you. I know Kale does not like that song. But I will say, I like that song. That movie and, is pure genius. And, Sorry, uh, and the movie, and the movie, and the movie. The intro song is also very very good which makes me want to next time i rewatch la la land i have a feeling i will not absolutely hate another day of sun i hated uh, the first time too i well i've watched it like favorite. five times and i still hate it but i i, I might come around on it i know <laughs> yeah we love each other so much though the real the real joy of that song is in the subtext you can really feel the connection between the two humans there it's just yeah i don't powerful. think it, and when it turns uh, yeah. into a rock song in the middle, mm. dude, I I have to say I'm a sucker for rock operas, and damn, that I I did like that. I won't lie. I when won't was lie. the last time we got an honest to goodness rock opera? I can literally only think of one other rock opera. I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Eric, start going to the theater more. Even then, there's not many rock operas, but you know, one from some- the heart. There's some that exist out there. All right. Well, this was uh, this was fun. I think this. Ooh. How long have we done this? Like two hours. I know. Oh. I'm burnt out. I'm gonna finish this truly and crash. <laughs> uh, this is. It's been a fun episode though. It was. It was great going through all these movies. Some of these movies I haven't really th- thought or talked about for. You I know, think you mean a truly scrumptious glass of water. <laughs> Eric, literally. Oh, I guess there is no. Uh, video because i would say you've been drinking a glass of wine for like uh tears from my whining i agree (laughs) i guess we're not hey maybe maybe this can get us a truly sponsorship you know you never know they could be our first sponsor would you deny or reject a truly sponsorship no but you gotta leave them wanting you can't be giving out free advertising that's true that's true i didn't say that it was good i just said i'm drinking it I could like pain. Oh, that'll you know? really get up this <laughs> Well, I, I'll save that once the check clears. Of course. Right. Sam, we are happy to have you again. Uh, I am thrilled to for be this here. episode. It was a joy to talk Hopefully, about movies. Hopefully, we will have you on again in the near future before a year from now. That way we can get some of your wonderful insight. And in the next big hit that you love that we're doing an episode on, we'll, we'll get you on. Um, if you're ever doing Godzilla versus Kong, like, yeah, well, or the Suicide Squad, I think that's yeah. in the books. Um, we might be reaching for your services more since we have a, a co-host that will be um, busy a lot more with some particular job this spring. But that could be the, any of the three of us. Um, so you might have to fill in at some point, Sam. I would uh, be so bored, please. We will, yeah, we'll, we might be requesting your services. But uh, it was a good year, a good year for overall. What does everyone think about 2021? Good, great, Amazing. bad, good. meh. We Halo, still talking meh. movies? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Not, <laughs> everything else pretty shit. But in terms of <laughs> movies, I thought it was a good year. I thought it was a good solid. year. Very solid. Guys, 2021, <laughs> treasure trove. Like, honest to God, unbelievable year. 
Caleb another looks like year a, in the modern era. Another <laughs> Caleb, if you had a, t- a time, uh, a time it could time travel. Where would you go to witness the movie era? What what movie era do you want? I to be would part just. Of? I would. I would Any- go anywhere beyond twenty seventeen. <laughs> Everything beyond. You definitely wouldn't go to the future. Yeah, uh, you go like forty years in the future. It's just all remakes. Oh, I haven't even seen Memoria yet, guys. That's oh, how good Jesus, the year is. I know that's crazy. That might still be your number one, Eric. Yeah, would be you, your number one. I wish you had Eric, because then you wouldn't have been able to give a net thirty points. I know, I know. <laughs> that's crazy. The world we live in. You know, okay. I was actually supposed to watch Memoria before my screening. And then it got it got canceled Two days ago. Corona. Hopefully, you'll see it soon and. uh but yeah, thank you for joining us. We will be back sometime soon with uh, starting, well, 2020, 2022 movies are not really coming out anytime soon. Although there's a couple, if we want to do an episode on the, the 355, we absolutely could. Um, this next couple but, months is going to be good. It's all. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll These see. Doesn't, I, I'm not very psyched for anything so far, so we'll see. Um, but all right. Thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next time.